0: Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. Going to discuss Samira in the Sky, Zodiac Star Force, and Binti Home. But first, we're going to give updates on our media challenges and discuss some culture. Anna, how political will this episode be on a scale of one to ten? Eleven. That is true. Here we go. <laughs> Earlier this year, we set out some media challenges for ourselves, and now we're going to update everybody on how we're doing, and it's going to be embarrassing.
1: I made a note about this, and it says, ha-ha, sob.
0: That's pretty accurate. Yeah. How are your challenges going?
1: I had two main challenges. To One was the time traveling project. The other one was read more middle grade. I can say that I read one novel that was both middle grade and time travel. Kudos to me.
0: Good work on combining some challenges.
1: Yeah, it was called A Traveler in Time, but I really didn't like it. I was very underwhelmed and didn't even write a review because it would have been composed solely of It Was Okay, I guess. Ouch. I guess because it's an older story. It's an older novel from the 30s. It just didn't appeal to me very much. I didn't have the nostalgia factor going into it. I was much more into reading the author's biography. That sounded amazing. So the author is called Alison Utley and she was born in 1884. And she not only published hundreds of children's and YA novels, but she also was The second woman ever to graduate with honors in physics.
0: That's super cool.
1: That is super cool. I really like this woman. It's a shame that I didn't like her book as much. She also, like, published cookery books. And then she got a degree by uh, Manchester University in recognition of her literary achievements. She died at 91 years old. Basically one month before I was born.
0: Maybe you are her incarnated.
1: Mm, I'm not a good writer and I don't like physics. So maybe not.
0: I disagree with you on not being a good writer. And in fact, I'm going to tell our Slack group that you were negative self-talking yourself. (laughs) Before the episode comes out. So then they'll lecture you before the episode comes out. And then when the episode comes out, they'll lecture you again hear it.
1: Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm not a good fiction writer. Not that I even tried that much, but I know that I would not be good at it because I don't have the vivid imagination needed to write actual fiction. I do think that I am a good writer in general. Is that better?
0: That's better. Maybe Jenny and Ira will allow it.
1: Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm so sorry for the negative self-talk. I I shan't do it again during this episode, ma'am.
0: Thank you. Well, my challenges, and I added some, of course I did, because it's me. My first challenge was my Women Writers Challenge, and I wanted to read 30 unique women writers. And I'm at 5 of 30, which I think is pretty okay, because it's only February. I've read Parable of the Sour, You Can't Touch My Hair, Six of Crows, Timekeeper, and Mirror in the Sky. And all those authors were new to me.
1: That's pretty awesome. You did so much better at this challenge thing.
0: Well, I'm also not doing 800 jobs like you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll allow it. And then my nonfiction challenge, because some of my challenges overlap. Uh, I have two out of ten, because I want to read ten nonfiction books. Uh, I've read the You Can't Touch My Hair book, which is by Phoebe Robinson. And Get Your Shit Together, by Sarah Knight, which is a follow-up to her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, which was one of my favorite books last year.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: And although I liked How to Get Your Shit Together book, it's mostly a book about time management. And I'm aware of the ways at which I fell at time management. Keenly aware. So I didn't really need a book to tell me that. But I really liked the framework she used because she talked about Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I know a lot about Alvin and the Chipmunks. So it was good.
1: Okay. We need to stop here. And I need to ask you, in what way do you know a lot about Alvin and the Chipmunks?
0: They were a cartoon I grew up watching. Okay. Like that movie where the chipmunks and the chipettes, whatever, the girl version of the chipmunks, go on like a balloon race around the world. That movie was fucked up, but I watched it like a zillion times. Anyway, derail.
1: I'm so sorry. That was my fault, but it was, I I, I had to know.
0: I don't like the movies, like the live action movies. mm, No. If I'm going to have some chipmunks, it's going to be Christmas songs or the cartoon I don't need know this newfangled love action crap.
1: Oh my god, it sounds so crutchy.
0: Achievement,
1: gold stars.
0: My other challenge was to read my own books because I have eight zillion books. I think I gave you a list of books sitting on my shelf the other day, and yeah. there's a lot, and I'm out of shelf space. Like I have those little cubby shelves where the the shelves with the little squares. And I have two of them. And those shelves have nine little cubbies. And all my cubbies are full. I cannot add any more books. How many did you read then? One. Which one? Parable of the Sour.
1: That's not even that thick.
0: I know. I'm supposed to read 10 of my own books this year. And I've only read one. And it's terrible. I'm embarrassed. But the most embarrassing thing is that I wanted to read more space opera this year. And this challenge is dead in the water. January was awful. And I read no space opera. I'm gutted. I'm so disappointed in myself.
1: So we need to find a way of helping you with this challenge. Let's add at least one to our roster in the podcast. Okay, I will help you get there,
0: Renee. So yeah, that's how we've been doing our challenges.
1: Well, there's still time. It's only February. Come on.
0: That's true. And the world has been on fire.
1: Yes. So many news alerts. Every time one of those shows up in my timeline, I end up spending a- like half an hour at the very least just going oh my god no really again no please god no please no what is the fuck is going on what the fuck is this shit will somebody help us please help save us god please
0: well i'm not religious so i'm just sitting there going well we're all fucked
1: i'm not religious either but
0: the world is turning you religious because (laughs) because it's so bad So, on the plus side, we still have time to stop getting distracted by the news and read some books. That's a good mental health thing. Yeah. Every time you feel yourself getting distracted by the news, be like, I have some challenges. I can go work on them right now, and you can read a book.
1: That's the spirit. I like it.
0: We're here again to discuss culture and i'm sure that this is gonna be a totally politics-free space right anna no not at all <laughs> not even a little what is your first thing that you found exploring the world of news i
1: found that the world found me oh is that outside the echo chamber enough
0: it's not a competition but yes
1: i had a tweet gone
0: viral that's amazing
1: So one of my favorite pastimes lately is to throw Donald Trump on Twitter. I feel it's very cathartic and it's one of the few ways I I can honestly say that 45 truly inspires me. And he was tweeting about the Muslim ban and how look at what's happening in Europe. We should act. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I live in Europe. And I'm like, look at what's happening in the US with all the mass shootings by white dudes. And that started to get a lot of retweets. And then the most amazing thing happened on that very evening. JK Rowling read that tweet and thought to herself, this woman is amazing. She's wise. She knows things. She's trolling Donald Trump just like me. I'll retweet. And then, guys, it just went everywhere. I have never seen anything like this. It's still going, Renee. It's still going. Every day, I get at least 100 retweets on that. Right now, I've had 3 million impressions, 44,000 likes, and 23,000 retweets. And the most interesting thing is a lot of people think I'm a dude. Wait, How? I've got a lot of offers from women to fuck them, addressing me as a man. Because, I mean, they could offer me the same thing, thinking that I'm a woman, of course. But, you know, they go, hey, guy, hey, sir, hey, man, come and fill me up. And I'm like, I cannot do that at the moment. And then a lot of people disagreeing with me, but in a very civil manner, which I can only surmise that it's because they think I'm a man. If they thought that I am a woman, I guess I would be taking a lot more abuse. I only had to block one person, and that's because they called me racist.
0: (laughs) I remember when you told me that Rowling had retweeted you, and I'm like, what? And I went to her page, and I looked and was like, holy crap, that is not something I ever thought I would see. But congratulations on going viral.
1: Thank you. I can also tell you something really interesting that I found out. That a tweet going viral does not book sell. <laughs> at least not the books that I publish.
0: We'll see. It'll, we'll give it a few weeks. We'll check back in with you in a few weeks.
1: Okay. I have
0: earned a new a thousand new followers, too. Market to them.
1: Yes. And I took a screenshot of JK Rowling's tweet page with my tweet at the top of it, right under her beautiful face.
0: Yeah. Well, you're not the only one. I remember when... One time, Scalzi liked one of my tweets, and it popped up on my phone, and I screenshotted it, and I still have that screenshot. Yes, I'm a loser. I can feel people judging me from here, from out there in the void. We we
1: are both losers, then. If taking pictures of our idols, or the people that we truly admire, when they are admiring your specs being a loser, then I embrace it.
0: Okay, so we're not losers. I will defer to you on this. After I yelled at you for negative self-talk, now I'm going to get busted for negative self-talk. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Okay, my first thing is, of course, political. For a while, this is going to be political, I'm sure. I'm sorry. We launched this new feature at a very awkward time, Anna.
1: It's everything I do is politics right now.
0: Tashara Jones, who is the city treasurer in St. Louis, Missouri, declined an interview with the editorial board of a local newspaper. She's running for mayor of the city, and the election is in March? I accidentally stumbled across the story, but it caught my eye because Missouri is the state that's right above me. And I'm thrilled that I found it because Tashara Jones wrote a letter to the paper explaining why she declined the interview. And she drags them Full-on naming and shaming. The letter is a beautiful thing to read. It is smart. It is full of facts. It's wonderful. And I really want leaders who are outspoken and critical and know how to use the tools available to burn institutions who are attempting to uphold an abusive status quo. And I'm pretty jealous that I can't vote for her now, to be honest, and that my city mayor is like a sentient eraser. Everybody look up to Shara Jones' letter and read it and print it out and use it to inspire you to go forward and take down some Republicans. What's next on your list?
1: I love musical theater and I love James Gordon's show. I also really like Neil Patrick Harris. I was on YouTube the other day just going through videos, as you do, And I found that new Patrick Harris showed up unannounced, or maybe it was announced, but it was rehearsed, but it looked like it wasn't. And he showed up on James Corden's show and dared James to do a Broadway riff-off. Cue 10 minutes of adorableness, great songs. It was really funny. It was fun. I loved it. And it ends with a Hamilton. It was really nice. I highly recommend to you people, if you like theater, if you like musicals, if you like those two people, just go on YouTube and watch the Broadway brief off between New Patrick Harris and James Gordon.
0: In reality, this segment is often just going to be an excuse for us to wreck extra things. You're all welcome.
1: Probably, yes. (laughs) What's your next pick? You see, that mine was not political.
0: Yeah, well, I'm taking us back to politics. I'm sorry. I apologize. There is a great article by Daniel Winger in The New Yorker about Kate Brown, who is the governor of Oregon, where I so desperately want to move. I don't have much to say about the article, just that it's comforting to read these articles about progressive states and their leaders, because all my leaders here in Arkansas are legit the worst. I wanted to quote a bit because I'm convinced this will cheer anyone up. Winger writes, After Brown stepped into the governor's mansion from the Oregon Secretary of State's office, Her predecessor, John Kitzhaber, resigned amid a corruption scandal. Portland Monthly published a list of her upsides and downsides. Among the former, not entirely impossible to imagine. Her morning motivational speech in the mirror includes the words, You slay. Among the latter, still hasn't apologized for her pastime of following her favorite folk band around Oregon. She sounds so great. She does. I want her to be my governor. My governor is a white dude who thinks men should own my uterus.
1: Oh my god.
0: Well, my whole section today was about fierce lady politicians, so I guess that says something about where my mind is at these days. I just really want to be able to vote for someone I believe in, not just someone I'm settling for, because the other side is full of supervillains. villains. Ugh! (laughs) guy is a 2016 novel by aditi karana about a girl who is going to a school with a bunch of white people and she is mixed race and she's having a lot of trouble fitting in meanwhile nasa discovers a planet across the universe that is a mirror planet of earth and it changes everything about tara's life what did you think about this book did you like it
1: this is not really a space book
0: it is not a space book at all no and
1: i thought it was going to be a space book
0: I don't know why you thought it was going to be a space book.
1: Because there is a thing about a new planet. And I thought it was going to be science fiction. And it is in a way. But it's much more... uh, It has less of a speculative band and more of a contemporary YA feel.
0: Yeah. The speculative conceit of the mirror planet where things are almost the same as on Earth but just a little bit different is pretty pasted on. So you
1: take that up along with the um, title of the novel Mirror in the Sky and then you feel like it works more as a conceit, as a mirror for people looking at themselves and then having an excuse to behave differently than they usually would. Mm-hmm. Right. This is really interesting from an emotional and philosophical perspective. But I think the book tried to do a lot of things at the same time and didn't come across as a cohesive whole. Half the time, I wasn't sure what the author was trying to do. Yep. I'm not even sure if the quantum physics mentioned in the book even works as it is. So I wouldn't approach this as a speculative fiction novel. I would completely disregard that aspects of the novel. Because it really is about high school, mean girls, fitting in, finding oneself, but not done that well.
0: I hated this book.
1: Hey! Okay.
0: I mean, I hated this book. You hated it? I hated it.
1: I don't think I felt enough to actually feel that much for it. Why did you hate it?
0: Because the speculative element is completely divorced From the main character. The closest you get to the main character having any interaction with the speculative element is the fact that her mother turns into a cult nut and goes across the country to commune with people who are a cult. So, White Lady loses her mind. Yeah. And none of these characters were likable at all. I didn't like Tara that much. I was like, you are a spoiled asshole. If somebody treats you badly, that doesn't give you an excuse to treat them badly. That's not actually great behavior. I just found all of these people immature and childish. And I guess it fits because they're all teenagers. The person that I had the most sympathy for was actually the person meant to be the antagonist, Hailey, Who Who was amazing! I wanted a novel about her. I wanted the book to be about her. Yeah! But, spoiler alert,
1: if you don't want to know, just stop listening right now because I'm about to spoil the end of this novel what the fuck Renee what the fuck just happened with Hale who was the most amazing interesting character really driven ambitious competent intelligent into fashion but still a top student and everybody seems to hate her and in the end she kills herself what the fuck I hate the way that this book dealt with mental illnesses
0: I hate the way this book fat shamed people
1: Oh my god, that was so fat-shaming, in this novel. Right right at the start.
0: When I read over it, my first thought was, great, it's going to be one of those novels where I just have to grip my teeth and push through it because this author apparently does not like fat people.
1: No, really, really doesn't.
0: The reason that I say that she doesn't like fat people is just because of how the narrative treats those characters treats characters with eating disorders or mental health issues related to eating disorders. Because I don't know if it's accurate, but Alexa definitely had some problems.
1: Yes. All of them had, which I think was the point of the novel, to show the discovery of this new planet allowed for the characters to show their true selves and the things that they were hiding. So all of them had to one extent or another mental illnesses anorexia, depression and somehow that conflates as well with one of the characters being a lesbian last minute lesbian what I, what I would like to call last minute a lesbian because literally it's one of the last scenes in the movie it's like oh by the way I'm a lesbian where was this throughout this novel?
0: I mean I got it real early on the reason that Veronica got so angry at Haley over Nick I was like oh I realize what's going on here She's, she wants to fuck Haley, like that's what's happening
1: you are a very perceptive re- reader, which I'm not, apparently, then.
0: I don't even know if it's that perception. It's just that I used to read a lot of YA back in the day and put a lot of it down, not finished. And I don't like that trope. And I don't think it was handled well here.
1: I don't think so either.
0: I don't think anything was handled well in this novel. No... It was disjointed, and then you get into the fact that the science fiction part of it was often so distant from what was happening in the book that the parallels that we could maybe see between the characters in the book and the speculative element just never fused together. They were not cohesive.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: Oh, oh, talk about the Virginia Wool thing.
1: So in this planet, which is called Terra Nova, it's basically a mirror world of earth but things happen differently there and one of the things that they find out is that virginia wolf did not commit suicide in that world because she was found by her husband who saved her and then kept saving her throughout her life so she never killed herself and she became this really amazing person i can't really quite figure out why that made me so uneasy Again, it goes together with the way that mental illnesses are addressed in this book. Like, Virginia Woolf really only needed the help of a man to keep her going. And look at what could have happened if she had survived. And that just, I found that so gross. I was so grossed out by that. Did that make you feel similar?
0: I felt weird about it. But I don't know how to verbalize what about it. it makes me so uncomfortable.
1: I tried a little bit, but I'm not sure if that's it exactly. But there was something about this just made me so uneasy. And it's the same thing with the mother character, right? So the mother was someone who had issues. Her parents died when she was very young, and she obviously missed them very much throughout her entire life. And she was sure as someone who was dissatisfied, who was not very happy with the life that she has, was not very happy with the path that she's chosen. And then when Terranova appears, she decides to take off and join a cult so that she can try to commune with the people on the other side, on this other planet, so maybe she can contact her parents again. But this whole thing, it's because she's deeply dissatisfied with her role as a mother and as a wife. And she's completely vilified by that completely to the point where she leaves the house to try to find herself and then she has to be brought back because the people that she was trying to to find help with were actually cultists that then killed themselves and were trying to kill each other and it's just so ridiculous and so out there that this character was simply unhappy about her life which is a very you know why not but she's so vilified and she's, has, she's brought back at the end, no, I will never do this again I'll stay with you forever.
0: She was punished, basically.
1: She was punished for having feelings.
0: And not that it's right to just up and leave your family.
1: No, but there is a, a different way of dealing with this.
0: But the fact that it ends so badly to just justify the way that Tara treats her, I guess, made me super uncomfortable. This novel just made me super uncomfortable, I guess, was is yes. my takeaway. I Oh, well.
1: I really didn't like it either.
0: You win some and you lose some.
1: There was a couple of things that I liked about it. Like, for example, there's an exploration of racism and microaggressions that Tara received because she was a mixed race Indian girl.
0: I found that part really strange. Like, you're going to yell at a white lady and get away with it? Cause, man, she lets a white lady have it, which was good because the white lady 100% deserved it. But you're going to swear at your teacher mm. and get away with it?
1: That's what finding this new planet made people do. Behave like themselves. Say the truth that they were hiding.
0: And so the new planet appeared and everybody turned into an asshole. Yes. What an interesting premise for a novel.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't I can't explain why this novel made me so uneasy. Everything about it made me uneasy.
0: Tara really wants to be friends with these people. She acts like she doesn't, but she really does want to be friends with these people. And then when she gets the chance, she basically undermines that friendship at every turn. Because all the people in the group are undermining their friendships at every turn. Sometimes I try to remember being a teenager and being as petty and cruel as some of these teens in this book are. But I can't get there. I was never this type of teen. And so this novel just comes from a place where I guess there are teenagers like this, and some teen out there might really need this book. So I'm glad it exists, but holy shit was it not for me. I did not like it, and I am glad that I will never have to read it again.
1: On that note, how many Space Beasts do you give that novel?
0: Two. I'm giving it two because one thing that I really did like about this novel was the relationship between Tara and her father jeep. He was portrayed as super kind and super supportive, and I thought it was one of the best drawn relationships in the entire book, considering the rest of the relationships in the entire book were a hot mess.
1: And a dog that gets killed.
0: Yeah, the dog doesn't survive. I'm giving to Space space 2. We've been having some bad luck with books, Anna.
1: Oh my god, so much, Renee, so much.
0: We need to reassess.
1: Or maybe move to the next segment, because I think there'll be happier times.
0: Zodiac Star Force by the Power of Astra is a 2016 comic from Dark Horse Books written by Kevin Panetta and drawn and illustrated by Paulina Ganeshaw. It tells the story of a group of teenage girls who used to be an elite magical fighting force that defeated monsters. And two years before this book starts, they defeated the ultimate villain and then disbanded. But now monsters are back. This graphic novel was super cute. The first thing I want to say is that if you are looking for a comic with a super adorable queer romance between girls, you need to pick up this comic immediately and put it into your eyeballs.
1: It's very much for Lumberjanes fans. I agree. And Squirrel Girl fans. Mm-hmm. That same type of levity, that same type of you know inclusivity and diversity there is just naturally there. If you want something that is light, fluffy, fun, and adorable, this is it. I was a little bit lost in the beginning because it starts in the middle of their story. And I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Because it starts with them regrouping. So obviously there was a story before and they broke up. Then they need to get back together.
0: Also, it might help to go into this graphic novel with a knowledge of how magical girl teams work. Anna, did you watch Sither Moon?
1: Mm. Nope.
0: oh boy
1: but i did edit a series of novelettes based on magical girls featuring actually five magical girls it's called hurricane hills by isabel yeah
0: so that's your experience with them
1: no i read other stuff with uh, magical girls i had just never actually engaged with sailor moon before
0: and i grew up with Sailor moon i was obsessed with it I want to make you watch every episode of Sailor Moon with me.
1: Oh, let's do that.
0: Anna, there's 200 episodes.
1: I'm sure we can do that little by little.
0: 200 episodes and three movies and a few television specials.
1: Just give me well, like a rundown of the best moments and I'll watch that.
0: No, that's not how you do it. That's cheating. <laughs> anyway, so I went into this comic with that as my basis. And I compare every single Magical Girl story to that. And I really think that they took this trope and did something really neat with it. The story does throw you into the middle. You pretty much have to get through that first issue and then half of the second before you probably feel grounded in the world. I agree. But it has a really, really good payoff. I really liked the way that they got the team back together and I really liked the way that they build a story around the team coming together to protect our leader and I also really liked super cute queer romance.
1: Yeah, I loved that the leader is Emma, and Emma is the Gemini, and I'm a Gemini, and I am a leader. That Those are the extent of my deep thoughts about.
0: Well, there's not a lot here to have deep thoughts about. It's a very, very standard story, and it has a happy ending. It's just a really fun, heartwarming story where girls are friends and supportive of each other. And then two of them make out a little.
1: And each girl was different. They were drawn different. They had different body styles. They had different, uh, they had very specific individualities. I loved the hothead Kim. She was my favorite, I think.
0: Emma was my favorite. Really? Yeah, I really liked Emma.
1: Was it because she was a Gemini and she remind- reminded you of me? Yes. Good answer. Correct answer. Well done.
0: And I want to comment on the art here because I loved the art. It's really great. It is gorgeous. It's almost like watching a TV show. It has such a great emotion to it.
1: Plus the imagery of Magical Girls is really awesome too because each one of them has a uniform, each one of them has um, a different power and that appears behind them or around them when they are fighting and the art really captures that.
0: The colors are super vibrant. That's why I say it reminds me of TV because the colors remind me of Saturday morning cartoons. They're so cheerful and vibrant. And there is apparently going to be more of this comic. And I didn't realize this until I finished this comic and was looking up what other work that the writer and artist had done, and then I discovered that there was going to be more.
1: I am there for it, too.
0: This is a very short comic. There's only, is it four issues in this trade?
1: Yeah, and it's very short. They're very short, too.
0: So having more was going to be great. How many space bees are you giving this? Four. I am also giving this four space bees. Hooray! We like something! Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! It happened. We liked something. Send your happy hour back on track. We've returned from the abyss. Binti Home is a 2017 novella from Tor.com by Nettie Korafor, continuing her series that started with Binti in 2015. After a year at Umza Uni, Binti is returning home to see her family. There are some wrenches of the gears, though, because Okwu, her Medusa pal, is going to go with her. And that summary is actually a tiny, tiny sliver of all the world building that Okorafor manages to put into Binti home. There's a lot going on here.
1: But, unlike Mirror in the Sky, I felt like it was actually cohesive.
0: It all feels rooted in the same place. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: It's because these novellas, they are about identity, right? Like at the center of it all. That's what the first book was all about: was about Bincy trying to find herself by going away from home and trying to keep the parts of herself that made her who she was, while at the same time trying new things, trying this new way of life that was so alien. Uh-huh. to her family and the people in her village because they never went away. She was the first one from her tribe to go to the university and it was so far away. And then all those horrible things happened and she had to find the internal strength to keep going and to survive. In doing that, she changed herself in many ways, including genetically speaking, because now she's part juice.
0: The story opens and we discover that Benty and Ogu have this mental connection because the Medusa are high of mind. And she has to leave her class very suddenly because Ogu is going to kill his professor. Which talk about a really dramatic opening. You got me, For Good job. <laughs> Good work. I'm I'm in. I was in before, but now I'm extra in. And all the relationships, from Benty and Oku to Benty and her family, are really, really complicated. And not all in negative ways. There are a lot of positives to a lot of these relationships too, even when the people are fighting. And I just really like that nuance. It's
1: families, right? Yeah. It's not about disliking or hating, but there is an element of disapproving. And sometimes the disapproval is worse than the outright hatred in many ways, especially when it's coming from someone that you love and loves you back. And that sense of disapproval is something that she gets from a lot of members from, of her family for just daring to do different stuff.
0: Yeah, it was very fascinating to watch Okorafor deepen the culture. And it's not a monolith at all. And I don't know why I assumed it would be. I mean, in Binti we learn about the Himba a little bit. But in a sequel, we really, really see some of the differences between the culture that were not visible in, in the first novella. Absolutely. This really, really deepens Binti's family, her family history, her future within her family. And I know I'm missing a lot of cultural references, but even the stuff that confused me didn't feel out of place.
1: One of the main things about Binti herself is how rooted she is in tradition, right? How important it is that she feels the things that she does... So, the use of the OTs that she carries with her and how deeply rooted that is in her very sense of self. The question of foundation of where she comes from and the things that she carries with herself is kind of like overturned here because she learns that she's not really completely what she thought she was and there are other elements to her tradition to her genetics to her past that she was not aware of and that comes with a lot of tension and internalized racism that's so well done here because it takes the first book what made binti so strong and because she had such a strong root and it kind of like just takes that away from her in a way so where does she go from here
0: Also neat about this book was her friendship with Okwu, which is really intimate, but also way more formal than I expected. Because they don't talk about serious issues very much. Like, they don't talk about Impiniti's experience on the ship when Okwu's people kills all her friends. And they don't talk about how she struggles with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and panic attacks. But they still feel like really, really close friends and one of the best parts of this novella i thought was when they went to this lake that's salty and oku just goes into it and binti watches him communing with snails
1: that was one of the few moments of levity in this novella
0: yeah it's kind of like oku gives binti a place to just be herself without having to put on a mask or be outwardly strong that's how it felt to me Because we see her get very tense around her family. But then she goes to Okwu and she can relax a little. Because Okwu just accepts Binti as she is. When they arrive at her family and her father has made Okwu his own little tent. Note how he describes Binti's father. He's like, you are Binti's father. He defines him by Binti.
1: That was very cool.
0: I wanted this book because of Friendship. And I got it. I got exactly what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And then he ends on that horrible cliffhanger.
0: Oh my God. Okorafor, what are you doing? Are you trying to kill me?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Where is the next novella? I need it.
1: Is it, is it going to be like in two years? Oh, God, a home not. Oh, my God. I was not expecting that to be like this. I did not realize it was going to be a trilogy. I thought it was just a sequel without it actually being a cliffhanger of intergalactic proportions waiting for me in the end.
0: I knew there was going to be another book, but I got to the last, like, five pages, and I'm like, nothing is resolved. Everything is up in the air. Holy shit, what's going to happen? And then I hit the cliffhanger. And that cliffhanger, I'm talking, knife of never letting go levels of screaming when I reached that end. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? You can't, what? What are you doing? You can't stop it there. What? I was so upset, Anna.
1: Yeah, I was so upset, too. I knew not even was know like... what
0: happened. But overall, I got everything I wanted from this novella. I'm super excited. I want to also give it 8,000 awards. That'd be great.
1: I was really pleased. I thought it was as good as the first one.
0: Okay, so how many Space Bees are we giving this novella? Six. Nine. <laughs> I had to top you. <laughs> okay, we know how many Space Bees we're going to give it, but how many Space Bees are we giving that cliffhanger?
1: Oh my god, it depends. It depends how, how do you approach a cliffhanger. Do you like it or do you hate it? Like, do we, do we give it like minus Space Bees? Because it's a cliffhanger? Or do we give it like a million space gifts because it's an amazing cliffhanger?
0: So great, but so painful on a scale of one to ten. Exactly. How, how many spaces do we do that? How many bees are we giving this? I'm giving this 10,000 bees. I hope
1: I hive the craft for is queen bee.
0: I, she's like, I know what you guys want. You want to be tortured for a few months. Here you go. For years. Oh, God. I what if we had to wait years?
1: don't know what i'm gonna do
0: you know how people are like george r, r. martin where's your next book uh i do that but with this series congratulations studio Corp for you're now the next george r. r martin of my heart i'm coming for you on twitter when's your next book when, when is it i need it Okay, it's time for some recs. Anna, hit me with your rec.
1: I am going to recommend a TV show that I just caught up with. It's Westworld. I really, really love this. It's Lost meets Battlestar Galactica. It has tons of AIs. Its female characters are amazing. I love them to bits, and they are the main characters of the show. It's everything i wanted it to be and it was and it was better than i thought it was gonna be given the reviews that i read and i just completely loved it i'm completely obsessed about it the soundtrack is amazing so i highly recommend
0: it i haven't seen lost or Battlestar galactica in full i don't know what i'm gonna do about you (laughs) Put me in the naughty corner for not watching your favorite media.
1: Well, I haven't watched Sailor Moon, so...
0: That's true. That's a moral failing. Right there.
1: Excuse me. Not having watched Lost About the Sagalactica is a geek failing. And that's worse.
0: Oh my god. This got vicious really fast. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) I see what you really think of me now.
1: Sorry, I just wanted to get back at you for saying that it was a moral failing.
0: Good work.
1: What about you, Renee? What's your recommendation?
0: Mine is another political wreck. People are like, God damn it! I'm ready for her to go back to like fanfiction wrecks now. This is terrible. <laughs> So it is a site and or mailing list called whatthefuckjusthappenedtoday.com where you can get a summary of the day's news. And I subscribe to their mailing list and I pair it with a subscription to the Washington Post and that's the news I take in because otherwise I would be like Anna sinking into the abyss of Twitter. Every single breaking news story. I can't handle that. I can't handle it. It's too much. I got to take a break sometimes for my own mental health. It's a nice summary. If you're looking for a place to just pick up headlines, they also provide links. It puts all the shenanigans into one thing, so you can schedule some time to look at it without having to be inundated with it on Twitter, and it may be for you if you need that kind of thing. It's been really helping me, so it might also help you. And they also have a website, so you don't have to subscribe. You can just go to the website, too because I know people sometimes don't like to give out their email. Apparently, I just give my email out to whoever wants it. It's like, you want my email? Sure, he- he- here, give me some actionable items. Give me some news. Hit me.
1: Desperate times, man. Desperate times.
0: All right, Anna, tell everybody what we're going to be discussing next.
1: On our next Friday episode, we'll be discussing dun, dun, dun! The King of Atolia by Megan William Turner. Also, Black Panther Volume 1, A Nation Under Our Feet by Tanahisi Coates and Brian Stelfreeze. We will also be reading Viscera by Gabrielle Squilia. Also, in a few weeks, we'll be doing A Deep Dive into Sunshine by Robbie McKinley. So if you want to join, in, grab your copy and get reading.
0: the end of episode 73 this episode was brought to you by the supposed to come out last Friday but Renee was diseased so now we're in this reality death plague
1: I'm glad that you're feeling better now Renee
0: yes thumbs up follow us on twitter at Fangirl Podcast because we're way more likely to cut loose over there with a proper tickle if you don't like twitter we still love to hear from you our email is fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com you can subscribe to the show if you're new or tell a friend if you've been here a while we're cool folks and we'll treat them right promise
1: our music this week is by boxcat games broke for free and Chucky beats our show art was made by Ira, and you can find links to their work in our show notes plus information about the books we discussed susan has been creating excellent transcripts of episode 68 onwards and you can read them on our website everyone please send thanks to susan on twitter via spindly for being super great and helping us out with that
0: drink some water get some sleep call your reps persist Thanks for listening, Space Bees.
1: See you next episode.
0: Stop flicking yourself. (laughs) You're just like, you're just sitting here beside me going, that's what you sound like, Loki. Give me a break.
1: God, it's gross.
0: (laughs) Can you hear him?
1: I could hear my stomach. Are you sure it's him and not my stomach? No,
0: it's definitely him.
1: Because I'm very hungry.
0: Oh my God, and maybe you should go get a snack.